valuing his voice. I think everybody's got them. Let's turn in your Bibles to Mark 4, chapter 4, verse 24. Mark 4, verse 24, and I'm reading out of the NIV. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued, and this is Jesus talking. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So the message here is pretty simple. Be careful what you hear. Now, uh, in the first service, uh, it kind of dated me a little bit, but how many of you heard of Megadeth, Slayer, all those, some of those? All right, if you are over the age of 20, you know who I'm talking about. If you're under the age of 20, you don't know who I'm talking about. But I was big on that and ACDC. How many know who that is? Okay, all right. Now, here's the deal. Now, I'm going to step on a few toes a little bit, just, just microscopic, you know, toe-stepping. But uh, what happened is... Before I knew God, I'd listen to that stuff, and you know, it'd pump me up. You play football, you know, ah, you want to, you know, kill somebody, you know, and run through the, and run through the door. Here's the thing, though. I didn't just listen to it before football games. The next thing you know, I'm just, I mean, I'm intense. I'm just, I'm like, what? Who are you? You get, you know what I'm saying? And so you get so intense. All of a sudden, and man, I was like, Mister Negative. Here's what I figured out when I came back to God is that. The garbage I put in my ears is coming out. The more I put in that's not good for me, it's like the more I began to listen to that stuff and I'd listen to the words, I mean, really, kill your mom, kill your dad. That really isn't a wholesome message, I don't think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong here, I don't know. But again, I don't want to micromanage your life. I'm just asking you to think and consider what you hear. Because what you hear matters. And it's not just music. I'm not picking on music. I mean, hey... There's some, there's some older stuff. I mean, I like some good old-fashioned eagles. And I could even sing Let It Be, Let It Be, Let It Be. Seeking words of wisdom. Let it be. That's about the extent of my singing. It's why I preach. It's why they sing and I talk. And try not to say anything too ridiculous. So what we hear. Now, it's not just music we listen to or influence. Who we hear from matters as well. Uh, and in fact, the voices that we allow in our life, how many of you have been around a person that is a very draining human being? The only thing that they ever do, turn around and say to the next person that you're not draining. Okay. You're not draining. Okay. But it will suck the living life out of you. Because it's the same thing over, so what you hear, and then, so then here's the next thing that happens. It's contagious. Well, I just don't like the weather here. And I don't either. And boy, and next thing you know, I mean, it's dark and gloomy. And it could be 70 degrees outside. Like today. It's awesome today. But what we hear and who we hear it from matters. Now, let me throw this another one. There are junk food pulpits. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, here's what I would say. There's ditches here and there's ditches here. You can, I could come in and tell you everything you want to hear, like a giving kid candy all the time. Oh, here's, here's, oh, let me burp you on the way out the door. Here, oh, aren't you so sweet? Oh, and give you chocolates. But how many know that's not good for you? On the other side, there's the fire and the hammer, you know, just beating you up senselessly. And, you know, you come out going, man, I feel worse going out than I did going in. 
That's not good either. That's a ditch. Junk food churches will serve up lots of doubt and very little faith. Junk food churches will serve up a lot of legalism and they want to micromanage your life without letting you be led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you understand that the Holy Spirit knows your process? There are issues in your life today that you won't have tomorrow if you listen to the Holy Spirit. You will not have them. Ask me how I know. That's why I don't drink anymore every day. Minimum six-pack a night. That was the minimum. And it was old Milwaukee's beast. It was the worst. I mean, it started off with the Heinekens, and a, but then, you know, it bottoms out. And when, you're, when you're packing away 15, 20 beers a night, it becomes old Milwaukee's best. And it's not the best. Trust me. Okay? So, you, you know... As you're going through the process, God's dealing with you on things and addictions and bad thinking, and you learn to hear the voice of God. And so the voices that you hear and who you hear it from, I can't sit under teaching that would tell me to have more faith in my doubts than in my faith in Jesus. I can't do it. I can't sit and have somebody say, well, God might be willing to heal. I have to sit under somebody who says, Jesus died for my healing, my emotional restoration. I don't have to be depressed every day. That's good news, right? That's great news. And so who, what you listen to matters. Now, it's not to say that well-meaning pastors and people don't mean well, but I'll tell you this. Anybody tells me that puts cancer on my kid to teach me a lesson, I'll say that is just not true. My kid doesn't need cancer to make me patient. That's not the will of God, by the way, just so you know. My Bible doesn't say that. You can, be, you can learn patience without having your kid have cancer. But here's the deal. If you are attacked by the enemy, which puts sickness and disease on people, you have a right, because you're listening to the right voices, you have a right through the word of God to say, no, this will not pass. This attack on my finances, no. My God shall supply all my need. No. And God will direct you and put you in the right place. But remember, consider what you hear. We, if we put garbage in, we do get garbage out. Would you not agree? So here's the thing. Do we have any dieters in here? Anybody do the Atkins diet? Anyone? Anyone? Atkins diet? One over there. South Beach? Anyone? Okay. Okay. Uh, Here's the one in the, in the first service that I talked about, and it was kind of funny because somebody said it doesn't work. I haven't tried it. But actually, the urine of pregnant women. They actually use that. I don't know. And it helps get them into position where they can, uh, they can um, you know, it, they taper it off, and then it, you change up your starches and all that. Anyway, I wouldn't do it, but, you know, I know people who do, I guess. I don't know. But here's the worst one, though. Tapeworm. They actually, there's one diet out there that you actually ingest a tapeworm. And then they give you pills and stuff to kill it. I mean, that's kind of scary. I, I, just, I don't even want to think about the other side of that deal. I mean, that's just awful. So all of these things, if you don't change habits, here's, here's the point. A diet can work if you change what you do and how you think and how you eat, right? I mean, I personally can't eat steak every day like the Atkins. I mean, my cholesterol would be up the roof. I mean, if I ate steak every day, I'd turn into a cow. You know, I mean, I just, I couldn't do it. But, but balance, and this is my point, 
A balanced diet will win the day. A balanced diet at church and the right voices in your life will change your life. You become what you hear. Let me say that again. You become what you hear and you allow in here. That means you have to be a gatekeeper, correct? You have to be a filter. And there are illegal voices that will come to your life and say, you need to do this. But if they don't have permission to speak into your life, thanks for sharing, I'm moving on. You have to have a right to speak into your life. What we have to do is set ourselves up, and Pastor Chad talked about this last week, is setting ourselves up in a position to allow someone to speak into your life. Too many people want to run their own show without any input. There's no humility and no accountability and no pliability. What we have to be is, and listen, you think, you think occasionally I'm the hammer? God beats me up all the time about things I need to do right and I haven't been doing properly, okay? So it's an equal opportunity, you know, right? We're all in it together. So again, consider carefully what you hear and consider carefully who you hear it from. Um, here's a few other things about the voices. If you have a schizophrenic theology that says, I'm justified by my works, so I'm a good person, I do this and this. How many understand that's a works righteousness theology and your good works don't mean squat when it comes to God? It is his works on the cross that does it for us. We're blessed because Jesus died for us. We are forgiven because of Jesus. We don't earn our salvation. Understand? Okay? A healthy pulpit serves up a balanced diet of grace and truth, acceptance and accountability. Again, it matters what you hear because you become what you hear. Let me read Mark 4, 24 again. The second part of this verse. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. Now, here's the part I want you to camp on. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given what? More. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Let me read that one more time. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. What that means is that you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotten. There is no status quo. You are responsible for the word that you hear today and tomorrow and the next day and however God speaks to you. Now, here's the thing. This is a stewardship issue. Jesus is talking about it. But a person of great faith is also a person who is a great listener. It's hard to build your faith if you don't listen to the word of God, right? I mean, that makes sense. Faith, it says, comes by hearing and hearing the word. If you don't like your circumstances today, you need to ask yourself whose voice and, and, and who and what are you allowing into your life? And so faith comes by hearing. That means we need to hear it more and more and more. And we need to recognize this voice through relationship. It's hard to hear God if you don't know him. Here's an example. I want everybody in this room, the first, first service, it was amazing. Uh, how many in this room have been married over one year? Stand up. If you've been married over one year, stand up. Okay. If you've been married five years or longer, you can keep standing. The rest of you sit. If you've been married 10 years or longer, keep standing. The rest of you sit. If you've been married 20 years or longer, remain standing. The rest of you sit. If you've been married 30 years or longer, remain standing. The rest of you sit. Oh, we're going the distance here. Uh, If you've been married 40 years or longer, remain standing. Wow. 50? No, okay. All right. 50 years. Woo, that's awesome. 
50 years. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mr. LeFay, you may stand up again. I'm, I'm not done picking on you yet. Okay, now, true or false, you got to the point, probably, if you've been married that long, you could probably anticipate your wife's every next move, thought, you knew how she felt, how she processed it. Would that be an accurate statement? Pretty close. Would you say the first year was pretty, how would you characterize the first year of marriage? Rough? Confusing. Okay. An honest man. An honest man. You may be sitting. Thank you. Give him a hand. Amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's, I, 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 my wife isn't in this service. She was in the first service. She was up here um, just earlier. She went back to take the kids home for lunch. And uh, they, by the way, kids get hungry and they eat a lot, just so you know. I don't know if you know that, but they do. Uh, anyway, so the first year of marriage, Hope and I, I mean, I'm, I'm Mr. I want the toilet paper a certain way. She wants it, you know, a certain way. Maybe it's front side, maybe it's underneath. Maybe it's the toothpaste in the middle or it's the toothpaste from the bottom. Now, these little pet peeves, I know that none of you who are married or have been married or whatever, you never understand what I'm talking about here. These little pet peeves that... So those kinds of things, those little things, become ginormous, huge, epic deals in that first year of marriage. I mean, you're just nitpicking on everything. As you get older, though, you learn, you learn how to... There's, here's two words I learned. Dear, I'm sorry. Or three words, I messed up. If you can say, I'm sorry, I messed up, I've just solved all of your marital woes. Done, end of story. Amen? Uh, insert Jesus and you can win. But the, the, the thing about marriage is, here's the deal. I began to value, I studied her. I watched her. I learned what she likes, what she doesn't like. I actually cared to listen. But you know what? At first it was I came home and it was 4 o'clock in the morning when I would go to bed. She'd be in bed at 10. That's not a lot of talk time. I mean, we're, we're, we're not going to be two ships passing in the night. We had to compromise. The point is I began to listen to her what her needs were, we talked, we communicated, we built relationship. And in June, we're going to Colorado to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And we're going to have a Rocky Mountain High. Amen. And uh, it'll be awesome. No kids. And, you know, we're really excited about that. Because when you have little, you know, four little bumpkins that are under the age of eight, uh, you don't get as much of that quality talk time as you can. I don't even know what we're going to do. We have like eight or nine days together. Just us. I'm like... Who are you? And, but no, we get to know each other and, and we value each other's voice. The same way with the Lord. You have to spend time with him. You have to understand that he is deeply connected and interested in every little fiber of your life, every detail. Did you know that? He's deeply concerned about everything that is involved in your life. He wants to laugh with you. He wants, do you know that Jesus wept? Do you know that our Lord cries for you? The shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. Jesus has compassion for people. And so when you're hurting, he hurts. When you've been wronged, he feels that. And in fact, 2,000 years ago on the cross, he bore that for you. He understands how you feel. But we have to value his voice. And it's like a marriage relationship. You're constantly, constantly getting to know each other. He wants to, here's the thing, God will not reveal his secrets to people he does not know. Write this down. God will not reveal his secrets to the people he does not know. The Bible is filled with the mysteries. All the New Testament talks about the mysteries of God. Read it. 
He reveals secrets to the people who are his. Amen? And if you don't act on the little things, God won't give you the big word. Here's the thing, Jonah. Many of you know about Jonah and the belly of the fish, and you know he got coughed up on Nineveh, and he had to speak to these guys. By the way, the, Nineveh, the people of Nineveh, they would like boil you in oil. So, I mean, uh, that's a rough crowd to preach to. Uh, th- you guys are a cakewalk. I mean, I, I, I would not want to go to Nineveh and do what he did. But he bucks the system, doesn't want to go. God has to reposition him through circumstances. And here's the deal. If he would have just gone back to the word that God originally gave him, this is a word for someone here today. You need to go back. What is the last thing that God told you to do? The last word. Now, this is specific to each person. Many of you follow God. You hear his voice. You're understanding how to hear him. But he's asked you to do something, make a decision, maybe to go and do something for him, whatever it may be, sharing Christ, praying for someone. Maybe it was a missed opportunity. I don't know. But God wants to position you. What is the last thing that he asked you to do that you didn't do? As the old Nike saying said, just do it. Go back and do it. Because he's going to position you for a greater outcome. I promise you. He will position you for a greater outcome in your life. The fear is, is that if I give my life to Christ and I'm all in, the fear is, is that I'm going to have to change. Here's the dirty little secret. You will. Here's the beautiful part. It will be awesome. Everyone wants to walk on water. Not everyone wants to follow Jesus when he says come. We can do what Jesus asks us to do. It means he can can ask an insecure little boy who was picked on as a little kid who was always afraid of what people thought and he turned him to a preacher and learned how to get rid of people, addiction, and fear of man. Because bottom line, when you preach the word, here's here's the thing I've learned. Not everybody likes what you have to say. But you say it because you care. The only reason I'm up here is because the Lord asked me to be up here because I care to obey what the master says. I'm not responsible for what the people do with the word. I'm just responsible for speaking his truths in love. Amen? Sometimes love is being the hammer. Sometimes love is being graceful and allowing people to work through their issues. See, we all want other people, we want everyone else to give us time as we work through our issues, but we want get her done today when it's everybody else's fault. Amen? We want microwave forgiveness, but when we have to forgive, hello? These are the things we have to learn as God deals with us, as the Holy Spirit deals with us. We will get power to overcome any obstacle. I've walked with people through in the three years that I've been a pastor, I've walked through some extraordinary circumstances, seen some extraordinary things. I've seen some really cool healings. I've also cried with them, seen some horrible, horrific things. The one thing I know is that we have the hope of what's to come, and that is in heaven with Jesus Christ. It is what keeps me going day to day. And I know that God has a plan. There's too many people that listen to the wrong voices, they listen to the TV, they listen to the people out there who don't read the word and they try to tell us how to think and how to act. And here's the problem. It sounds good, but not all good advice is God advice. You can do the right things with the wrong motives. So it's important you can do the the wrong things with the right motives. It's important to listen and to put people in your life who can keep you accountable. 
Next part of the verse I want you to go to. Luke 8, verse 18. Same scenario that Jesus is talking about, but a different twist. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. It says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. So it's not just what you hear, as stated in Mark 4. It's also how you hear. There's a difference. We have to be careful how we hear. So for instance, our perceptions can form our reality, correct? I might say the right word in a church service. I may say the right thing, but if you're tuning me out or you're hearing it through a filter that that is blocking you from hearing the truth, every time I talk on that subject, you're not going to have ears to hear. You might have ears to hear for one thing, but not hear, ears to hear for another. For instance, when, when the challenge is issued for people, you know, you know what? Serving is an awesome thing. It's about the other person who doesn't know Christ. It's about teaching people to love people. It's about asking them to volunteer for something larger than themselves. It preaches good, but guess what? Our church in America has a me-church epidemic problem because the church at large in America, I believe, is not doing what God has asked us to do. And I think there's many great churches. I want to be one that has the guts to say, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus and the person who doesn't know him. And that means, guys, here's the truth. The truth is, we have to do something. It's not going to get done if we just sit here. And so my job is to act kind of like, in a sense, a little bit of a coach, to kind of coach you up to say, this is not acceptable, this is not acceptable, and the reason it's not acceptable is because it's not for your own good. How many of you know that being selfish is not good for you? It's just not. So if a pastor isn't challenging you to go beyond yourself and do something for the kingdom of God, I mean, there are people, believe it or not, they they come and they always eat the word of God, but they don't do the word of God, and they are fed, but they're not doing You have to give what you take, right? Very, very important thought. Very, very important. But consider how you listen. Here's the thing, if you can write this down. If you are hearing impaired, is it the preacher's fault? Is it because I'm not listening with pliability and humility? When, when, When pastors have to challenge people to learn how to live biblical stewardship principles, learning how to give, learning how to give the way the Bible says to do it, through tithes and offerings, that's a problem for a lot of people. But it is the word of God. I'm not doing my job if I don't challenge you to do that. If you have a church home, you need to tithe to that church. If it's this church, our church. If it's another church, tithe to another church. But I'll tell you, you're not going to have ears to hear if you're not saved. When I ever touch on money, if a person doesn't know Jesus, they're not going to give a dime. True? Why? What's the investment? Why should I, right? I mean, can we be real? I wouldn't. I'd go fishing. It's a waste of my time and money. But if it's true, if it's true, it could radically change, transform your life. Here's the question for people who don't understand that principle. How's that working for you? That's the issue that I had to settle 10, 11 years ago. I had this conversation with my dad. I mean... I had a life of selfishness, stinginess, 
I'm 29. I don't even know if I believe Jesus exists. I'm mad and I'm angry and I let everyone else know it. And one day, God got a hold of me, gave me revelation of how much he paid for me on that cross. You know what? Giving back to God didn't seem so costly anymore when I was forgiven much. All of a sudden, he began to show me, Ryan, test me in this, and not only will you get back what you gave, you'll have more to give, right? Anyone who's walked that road. But see, I didn't have ears to hear, and then one day, I had ears to hear. So how I listened matters. How we listen matters. Who we listen to matters. But if we have cognitive dissonance, if we, if we tune out one aspect, and it happens, I love the healing part. I love it, the grace of Jesus. He will, if you don't give a dime, can you still go to heaven? Absolutely, you can. Not a dime. That's not, that's not the point. The point is it's a heart issue, amen? I've known people that have walked away from God their whole life, and on their very last breath, I know they're in heaven today and didn't give a dime but their whole life on earth was awful. God designed you for better. Say, I'm better. I can be a champion here today because God has empowered me to do something larger than myself. We want to walk on water, but we don't want to get out of the boat. We've got to understand we have to have ears to hear. How we hear is important, selective hearing. Here's another one, distractions. I know this one. I love a good war movie. Honestly, I, I just, I love, I love every, like, you know, all the old war movies. Ever see Patton? Oh, man. Have you ever heard that speech? If you're a, we, we played Patton at our high school football games. We were a little small school in Texas, about 3A. I mean, literally, you wanted to, like, you, 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 you could run through a bus. I mean, you were, you were, you were amped. I love listening to those old messages, that, you know, uh, you know getting, getting riled up and all that. But the thing about... The thing about culture is you can get so wrapped up in everything else that's going around you that you forget to just date God, to take time to hear. And so like Mary and Martha in the Bible, here you have Mary, you can read it in the New Testament, here you have Mary, two disciples of Jesus, and Martha. Martha's out serving. It's a good thing. And then you have Mary at the foot of Jesus listening to his every word. So here's Martha over here serving, doing a good thing. Here's Mary listening to every, every word that Jesus has to say. Good thing, but not a God thing. At that moment, the God thing was to be at the feet of Jesus. The good thing, then after you're at the feet of Jesus and you get instructions for life, once you understand his plan, then it's easy to go and serve, correct? We need to be spending more time at the feet of Jesus so we can serve our, word, our world that is hurting. It's a lost and dying world out there but we won't know how to serve them until we get at the feet of the master. This is good preaching, by the way. God has a will and a plan for your life, and I close with this. There was a, there was a movie years ago, uh, 2007, I believe. It was called The Ultimate Gift. Anybody hear of it? A couple of, couple of you? Okay, here's the premise of the story. It's phenomenal. And I think it will, sh- it will, it will unleash something you, that you'll see this in a different way what I'm talking about. In 2007, this movie came out. The, 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 big, the big benefactor of the story was a guy named Red Stevens. He was an ultra-gazillionaire. He had owned tons and tons of money. He dies. They have a hearing for his will. His sons and daughters, which were you know, older, had lived a pretty selfish life, 
and he had his grandkids uh, there as well. Well, he didn't leave much to the, to the kids that had lived a selfish life, and they were very disgruntled about it and pretty much cursed their dad, and you can watch the story. But the, the one boy, the one grandson, Red Stevens, saw in his son Jason, saw something in this young boy. So he gives him a private screening. Remember, he's already gone. He's done a videotape, targeted this one young man. This one young man in that video clip hears a series of challenges by his, his grandpa. And his grandpa asked him to do some things that, frankly, he did not want to do because he was selfish. He didn't want to go through all the hoops to get his inheritance. But he had no idea what the inheritance was. The premise was you have to go through the steps to get the inheritance. That means orders. So he starts off, I mean, he learns the value of hard work. He sends him off to, to learn the value of hard work. And he's complaining and moaning the whole time. And he goes through these series of tests, learning how to sacrifice, learning that it's not just about him, learning how to love others, learning how to do things contrary to what he was. And throughout the process, befriends this little girl who has cancer. The little girl goes on to be with Jesus. He befriends the mother. And at the end of the series of steps, the last part, the grandpa asks him, you've, you've gotten this far, you would have forfeited your inheritance at any point had you quit. But because you've got this far, here's $100 million to do anything you want. The man took the $100 million and he built a hospital in the name of that little girl. Prior to those tests, he would have blown it all on himself. Here's the cool part. That's pretty cool. Because he exceeded the expectations of the benefactor, there was one more, the bonus, bonus round. And the benefactor says, Jason, in the taping, says, Jason, you have not only exceeded, you have gone beyond anything I could have ever thought for your life. Here's a check for $1 billion. If that is earthly riches how much more would your Father in heaven and his plan for your life? How much more? Heads bowed and eyes closed, please. Some of you may have a hard time grasping how good God is. Nobody here is promising you a billion dollars. What I am promising you is an eternity with a God who can do anything, who loves without any restraint He's violently chasing us because he loves us. He died on the cross to give us salvation because he loves us. He paid the price on the cross for our sin when we couldn't because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We broke the rules and he paid the price for it. Nobody's asking you to be perfect from this day forward. But we are asking you to tune in and hear God. And if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, if God is dealing with you, the Bible says if we repent of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Repenting means just turning away. It just means, yep, I can't run the show in my life. I need, I need Jesus. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I'd like to pray for you. If you're at that decision point, you don't have a relationship with God, you know it. It's not to be, no one's putting shame on you. It's just we want you to experience the love of God in a deep and fresh way and to spend life eternally with him. God exhausted his wrath on Jesus because hell is not for people that are perfect because we, none of us are perfect. 
He died. We don't have to go there. We can be in eternal life with, with Christ. It's a beautiful inheritance. And the beautiful thing about being a part of God's family on earth today is that the family privileges start the moment you receive and say yes to Christ. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. The way of Christ isn't easy. There will be people that will make fun of you at times. It's not an easy road. It really isn't. Anybody, but it is a powerful road. And he will give you overcoming power and strength to do more than you ever thought possible. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, you know what? I wasn't sure about my relationship with Christ before, but I want to be sure. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand, please? And I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Would everybody in this room just repeat this prayer? Father in heaven, I receive your forgiveness. I know I've been a sinner, but I receive your grace and the power to live a godly life, to make wise choices, to have a deep relationship with you, to live like no one else, to be your child. You've got a good plan for me. And I'm going to let you help me. Not my will, your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One last thing, with, please, with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you said that prayer and you rededicated your life, perhaps, with heads bowed, eyes closed, please, if you rededicated your life or, or you received Christ for the first time, we would love to give you uh, a Bible uh, packet or a Bible back at the, the back. It's a New Testament. It will help you with your walk back at the uh, Welcome Center. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to do one more thing. If you honestly realize that you have a hearing problem with God after this series has been complete, you really feel like you've tuned out some valuable voices in your life. You know it. God's dealt with you on it. Your perceptions have been off. You don't have to tell me what it is, but just would you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many of you. Thank you. Father, I just pray for them. I intercede for them right now. I ask that you bring clarity that if there's any part of what I have said today is untrue, that you would show them the error. But I know in my spirit that what I said today was your truth. I know it. I ask for them to, to be curious, to go deeper with you, to, to go deeper and to know your presence and to value you. And that as they realize, the more they give heed and take heed your voice, the more will be given them. And the more that, that, they, that they continue to operate listening to you, the more will be given. I don't want them to go the other way. I want to believe for them every person in this room will begin to value his voice, your voice, in a fresh, real, and powerful way. And in God's power, we consider it done. Amen. God bless, and we'll see you next week.